Is the presidential fitness challenge ever coming back? Rachel Fisher is working on that with diligence right now. Her and Katrina Piercy, yes. they are working on it, but there's been some things tied up with, you know, again, with legal issues and mm-hmm. other organizations. So I would say we have said that is one of the priorities. Uh, Admiral Reed is also on this because um, I've shared with them, you know, that since I often wear something that has a sports council logo on it, people come up to me in the streets and they'll say, they'll share their stories about how much that council meant to them when they were younger. Welcome back, guys, to another week of Mops and Mo's. Today, we are taking Mops and Mo's to the White House, sort of, kind of. We're talking to somebody who's been in the White House. Alex? Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, We're talking to Rob Wilkins. And technically, we're talking to the Honorable Robert Wilkins, as he is a presidential appointee. Rob is a 26-year Air Force veteran. That career took him all around the world, culminating at the Pentagon, where he was responsible for managing congressional staff delegations all over the military. Since retiring from the Air Force as a Master Sergeant, he ended up becoming a few different roles relevant to the military, but most notably for this episode, a member of the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. He's also senior military editor for Muscle and Fitness and head of veterans outreach for Sightline Media, which is Military Times' parent company. While he was deployed in West Germany during the Cold War, Rob started getting involved in bodybuilding, which led him to getting in touch with the Wider brothers, Joe and Ben Wider, the co-founders of the IFBB. That relationship continued And once he was back in the States, it led to him being appointed as the IFBB liaison to the military, starting lifelong efforts on Rob's part to encourage fitness nationwide. Uh, When we record this episode, Rob was finishing his second term on the council. If you watch the news, the Biden administration has just appointed a new slate of council members. Rob served terms under both President Trump and President Biden, one of very few to serve multiple terms, even fewer to span two administrations, and very, very few to serve under presidents of different parties. He continues to stay closely involved in the work of the council and more broadly, the Department of Health and Human Services. And fun fact, Rob is also president of the DC chapter of Rolling Thunder. So if you see a whole bunch of motorcycles rolling through DC, keep an eye out for Rob. You mentioned the president's council on on fitness. And I would encourage folks, it's it's probably one of those things that you've heard about in passing, or especially if you think back to kind of like, well, I guess, depending on your age, elementary school and, and doing, you know, presidential fitness tests and that sort of thing. But it's been around since the, uh, since the fifties. And I know Alex and I, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, the different articles from, from the mid century about fitness and culture. And a lot of those are related to the starting of this council. So Definitely look it up. We'll drop some stuff in the show notes that'll link to different different pieces on this council. It's a it's a fascinating look. And Rob, I mean, he's he mentions this in the podcast. Like he's in a really interesting place where you're kind of straddling this line between the political side of this whole conversation and then also sort of the realistic side around where this this country is going when we think about things like obesity rates. Um, you know, we touch a little bit on physical education getting cut conversations around nutrition and what that means so he's definitely in an interesting position and it's definitely a really unique and cool conversation that exposes or maybe not exposes but touches on a corner of the the policy making fitness industry that a lot of folks i would imagine aren't very familiar with 
I know I, for one, am optimistic that we'll see some news soon coming out of the council. Uh, Rob mentions during our conversation that COVID really threw a wrench in their operations. And it, I mean, even much before COVID, we saw some some challenges in terms of the council having not quite as much power as they originally had shortly after they were founded and things like that. But with the appointment of a new council here recently and kind of commitment to a few projects that are going on at HHS, and you'll hear a little bit about some things we're excited about during this conversation with Rob, uh, I would keep an eye out in the news for anything new coming from the President's Council. And I think too, didn't he, he appointed us as honorary members of this council. Yeah, for sure. I heard that. Yeah, you'll hear that. You'll hear that happen. Um, we we don't make a huge deal about it. We don't publicize it, but we have officially been designated honorary members of this council. So, you know, as as honorary members of the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition, Alex and I would like to welcome you to this week's episode uh, with Rob Wilkins. Enjoy. Maybe this is the first question. And I, heard, I picked this up from a YouTube channel that I watched, but um, you mentioned you know every bodybuilder from essentially the golden age. Who's the most famous person in your phone? Who's the most famous person in my phone? Yeah. Probably the late Colin Powell. I had his address and his number and all, and I, he was the guy I always looked up to. So I got a chance to meet him about 20 years ago. And then about seven, eight years ago, I asked him, I had been asking him for an interview for a long time for a magazine that I work with called Vietnam Magazine. And... um he kept saying one day, and then that one day he's. I got a note in the in my um in the mail, and it said, "Rob, I'm ready." And um, for many years, the letters would be signed Colin or Colin Powell, and at the end of this time, it said CP. And from that day on, I was he signed everything off CP Colin Powell. So I just thought, "Wow, that was so great." And so, and when you asked me that question, which is a good question, I always thought about if I lose my phone, people will have General Powell's address. I can't have that happen. <laughs> That's a good point. I never yeah. thought about that. Somebody with a ton of famous people on their phone, if they lose it, just give them a call. Somebody's going to call Arnold Schwarzenegger off your phone. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But because I, I respected General Powell so much, that's the most famous person I think in my phone. Yeah. Still there. Still there. That's awesome. Can we yeah. start with, because I don't know if a lot of people really, truly know. There's a twofold question. And, and the second part of this, you can just laugh in our faces. But what is the President's Council of, of Fitness? And secondly, how do Alex and I get appointed to this? So great question. Uh, 1956, President Eisenhower, coming after World War II, thought that Americans, especially American males, were getting soft. You know, the world had changed dramatically because we had now become a more modernized society. So, you know, Bathrooms were now in the house, so you didn't have to take a walk to the outhouse down the road. Most people were starting to get buses and bikes and being driven to school as opposed to walking that, quote, unquote, two miles to school and two miles back. Um, life of convenience has started to happen. Uh, more food, different, uh, more selections of food, and people had more money to buy food. So as our weight, as the weight started to creep up, he was concerned that we would not be prepared to fight our battles. So he created this council to bring it to his attention. And the first vice president or the first executive director was Richard Nixon, who was the vice president of the time. For the president's council in the beginning, they had a seat at the executive table with the president. So often when things were being discussed, somebody who represented the president's council would be there. So that was the start of this council. And um, it's 
it's gone up and down, you know, through different administrations. But President Kennedy was also really well known for it. And he called it the having the life of vigor, where he thought it was so important that we exercise and we moved. And as you both know, being fans of President Kennedy, um, that's where a lot of folks, especially our Vietnam veterans, when they consider the president's council, it takes them back to um, President Kennedy and his time as our commander in chief. Now, how do you and Alex get involved? Yeah, the, the real question. That's a long road because, you know, I've wanted to be on the council since I was 12 years old. And uh, I just put it in my mind that one day this is going to happen. And so I just tried to do things that kept me related to fitness and health and the military. And then I had a good chance to meet people who were very helpful to make me a good candidate. And I was selected. And so now being reselected under President Biden, it's like, how do you do better than actualize your dream. My mm-hmm. dream was to do this and I'm living my dream. So we'll see if we can find some ways to try to, you know, get you guys involved. But um, a lot of it is you just have to be at the right place at the right time and have luck. That's awesome. You mentioned in there that you, you know, in previous years, there was a seat at the executive table for this, for this council. Yes. I guess another kind of twofold question, when did that go away? Like around what time did that go away? And, and do you know why? I don't know for sure when it went away. I think what what happens is things are brand new. It's the shiny thing. So uh, with with the president, who was also a five-star general, this one of his focuses, of course, there's lots of focus. So there's lots of important people are going to be there. And and the president is really on this. And then with President um, Kennedy, the same type of thing. You know, this was in the forefront of his mind to being physically fit and uh, making sure that we're participating on the field, not just watching. So I just think over the years, as our country grew, I would say maybe social media, and there's just more things coming at the White House, maybe it just separated a bit. So um, I do know that the leadership now, they're very, very engaged um, and very, very prominent in their roles of making sure that the council is a active body that does good work on behalf of the president and the American people. And uh, I'm really, really glad that the people down, you know, who are leading us are so enthused and are so supportive of the efforts of the members of the council. Yeah. I mean, cause uh, you know, I guess the reason I asked that is because, and we'll get into some of this later, but you hear all this about how obesity rates are going up and, and you mentioned, you know, the mm-hmm. lifestyle of convenience, like that's obviously only gotten worse. Yes. And, and yet you would think that if a, if an elected official is going to prioritize that you would want people like you advising them and i'm sure you still do in some capacity but it's just interesting to hear that that you know literally sitting next to them in some sense is not is not a feature anymore um not really a question of mine just more of a thought mm-hmm. i i i see the importance of it because um the most important thing uh that we that i personally feel is our health you can lose your your job you can lose money you can lose many things, but uh, those friends of mine who have really been sick and it was a, you know, touch and go for a while, they tell you that there's nothing more to um, treasure than your health. And uh, there was a German saying that says that um, the person with their health has a thousand wishes. The person without their health has but one. And so I just think about that all the time to try to make sure that I'm doing what I can to be an example of health and fitness for my family and for my friends and trying to be an advocate to... Um, inspire Americans to move more, you know, be it, some people say physical fitness, some people say exercise, some people say movement, whatever it is that 
you feel comfortable in using whatever terminology, whatever it is from standing to running to shooting a basketball or golfing, dancing, just move more to burn more calories. That's, I suggest and recommend that that's what you do and have fun doing it too. Yeah. So for the sake of the audience here briefly, I know we are all familiar with this, but just to level set with them, we've we've been mentioning JFK, we've been mentioning his his article, The Soft American, which all of us are huge fans of. Um, you even quoted it talking about being on the field, not just a spectator. Mm-hmm. JFK wrote that that was one of his like final acts before taking office, right? He had already promised the article to Sports Illustrated, then he got elected, he went on a retreat with his wife. And during that time, wrote this article that has kind of stood the test of time, is still read and cited frequently today. Mm-hmm. What what gets me every time when I look through it is that he cites a series of trends, a series of problems. And in every single case through the article, those those trends still completely apply today. And not only do they still apply today, they are dramatically worse today. I guess the question here, or just an opportunity to talk about it really, is... Do, do we think even in that era, the council had much impact on those trends? And and like, what is it that we've seen these problems? We know these problems are existential threats, right? but over the course of decades, we still haven't turned the corner on any of those trends. They're continuing to get worse. Sure. Great question, Alex. I think some of this is information, education, and personal accountability. I can give you all the resources. I can give you all the films, the videos. I can provide you the best equipment. But if you do not take it upon yourself to get moving, what else can I do? You know, I've I've talked to so many folks and some of them jokingly say they wish they can take a pill that would get them physically fit. But, you know, the um, being around a lot of veterans, especially Vietnam veterans, so many of them tell me how important fitness was to them um, growing up, that they grew up throwing a ball some cases, like me and some of my friends, throwing rocks at cars and running from them, <laughs> uh, ringing doorbells and running, climbing trees, climbing trees to neighbors so that we can get to their apple trees or pear trees. Well, guess what? Throwing a ball might be like throwing a grenade. Running from folks might be like when you're doing uh, stuff in the military. You know, you're running from whatever. Um, climbing a tree could be like climbing a fence or climbing a, a rope while you're in the military serving. So a lot of those skills for those bad boys can translate over into your time in the military. Like you do know how to run and crawl and, and do all these active things. Well, now I'm hearing that, you know, the recruiters are having such a tough time because kids, they don't really, and I'm not joking. They don't know how to throw a ball. They haven't thrown mm-hmm. a ball. They haven't climbed ropes. They haven't skinned their knees and, and swam and no disrespect to what they do. That's their choice. But, you know, and the profession of military arms, these are things that are vital to your success in the unit success in the defense of our nation. So those things have to be paramount in our youth. And I think it has to go back to starting at kindergarten where recess is important and physical education is an important component of a person's overall development. I think uh, the mental, physical, spiritual, all that goes in hand in hand. And um, if we if we skip one of them, in my personal opinion, that's not um, helping contribute to a whole person concept. So, I mean, I know I was, I'm much more grateful now than I was as a kid, right? But of just growing up in a neighborhood where there were no fences between yards, where the parents mm-hmm. could just like kick kids out into the neighborhood and we'd play capture the flag and ghost in the graveyard and kick the can or whatever, whatever the game of the day was. 
But I, I worry sometimes because a lot of what we do on this podcast is talk about some of this information, like provide people more and more information. And sure. one of the things that I worry about with that is that that resonates with people who already agree with us. Like yes. I think most of the audience we draw doesn't need to be convinced that fitness matters. They're here listening because they already understand fitness matters. I don't think more information is going to change the minds of the people who don't agree with us yet. I think it's a matter of like, somehow making it sexy or popular or getting it to be a part of the dialogue somehow. And I don't know if we're making as much headway on that as I would like to. I don't, have you bumped into that? I don't know. I don't know what the answer there is. Yes, I agree. Social influencers can have a big, a big part in helping promote physical activity. Like Billie Eilish, I think that's, she's a singer. Mm -hmm. She started working out recently. So Apple uh, I saw an Apple news where she worked out because part of it was that by the end of the previous tour she was on, she was whooped, you know, she would have to skip events or skip some of the concerts because her body had, her body had had enough. So she, she was shutting down. She was getting sick and somehow she got connected to working out. And now she says she can't imagine not working out, even if she's not on tour, like she goes to the gym religiously like four times. So now with a person of her influence with millions of followers, if she says the importance of working out, I would I would suggest that um, maybe hundreds or thousands of her fans will give it a shot. And out of that number, a few of them will stick with it. If you have another celebrity, uh, for example, say uh, The Rock, you know, I think a lot of his fans, they might follow his lead and maybe they do follow his lead. Um, I just recently saw a post from Halle Berry and she talked about the importance of physical activity and fitness. So I wrote her a, a message. Hopefully I'll hear back from her because She's a bit older, but she's still maintaining a good physicality. She's still maintaining mobility. She still looks healthy. And so, you know, when you have people uh, like that, a lot of superstars in the film and TV and athlete industries, we can use them in some aspects to help us be pied pipers of physical activity and be advocates for uh, physical, physical movement, exercise, uh, and just living a healthier life. This might be, I don't want this to be a controversial comment, but maybe it will be. And I, I was thinking about this as Alex was talking about, you know, the information that we want to put out. You, you kind of, you have to compete against this attention economy, right? Like, you know, we hear all the time about TikTok and Instagram and you've got whatever yes. it is, five seconds to, and that that kind of makes it challenging, you know, in the fitness space, because really that is more dependent upon staying power and sticking with something for a long time. And I guess what I'm interested in, and and we can we can chat about this or not, but we've mentioned this before on the podcast, this kind of body positivity movement, which I'm not against by any means. But you could see where there's this fine line between, like you mentioned, celebrities using their platform to promote fitness, weight loss, you know, healthy eating. At the same time, though, you do see a lot of folks in that space promoting this idea of like, I'm perfect the way that I am. And I think that that's fine. But then you get into the sticky subject of like overweight people being displayed on the cover of magazines. And is that what we're after? Or or are we okay saying that, you know, you you should push yourself a little bit. You should work hard. I just, again, probably more controversial than I want that to be, but it, it's a, it's something right. that I think about quite a bit. Yeah. I think about it as well. I've had conversations with people about this and, you know, talking to physicians, a, a few physicians, like, we're not as just as plain and simple as we sometimes think because I've gone to the Marine Corps marathon a few times and uh, 
a few times some of the people coming across with amazing times when you look at their body type you would say how are they doing it you know because they just seemed uh bigger than a lot of runners like i remember this one guy looked like he was close to like 230 240 pounds and he was he was literally flying because somehow his body his body type he had he had worked it out somehow you know, and I've seen people doing yoga and I've seen uh, videos of people doing CrossFit and uh, stepping and all these different activities, dancing, way more mobile than I am. And they can do amazing stretches and stuff. So I guess what it is, is maybe the body types is not as important as what the physical numbers are. Like when you go get a medical checkup and if your doctor says your cholesterol and your, and your numbers are okay, now not a doctor, of course, but mm-hmm. Maybe just the body types uh, of one type of body being the healthy body is not it. Maybe there are many types of structures and, and uh, forms that could still be healthy. They just don't look like the traditional copies of health or the traditional look of health. So um, I would be interested in if there's more studies into that and, and learning more about it. But um, I'm not here to uh, judge on anyone what they do because... I think they're doing the best they can and the least or the the last thing they need is another person coming down on them mm-hmm. saying you should, mm-hmm. I don't know what you should do. I just think you should move as much as you possibly can and be healthy as you can. Yeah. Drew's Drew's got my gears turning now. I had directions <laughs> I was planning on going and I did not expect that question, but it's, uh-huh. it's, it's something I have gone into a little bit before. It's a sticky and subject. I'll shout out some smart folks, like most most of like the evidence-based stuff I've learned about yes. obesity in the last year or two has come from the Nadalski brothers who are both doctors that are in that space. Um, and they've got a really good platform. It's called the docs who lift. They're really into fitness, but they specialize in treating patients with obesity. And there's, there's some really interesting dialogue around like the state of what we talk about and the nuance of it. Right. Cause like, it, it turns out shaming somebody who is overweight is going to have exactly the opposite of the effect you wanted, right? Like you think you're trying to push that person to try harder and that is not what you will achieve. It will draw that person more inward. They'll be more ashamed. They'll be more embarrassed. They'll be unwilling to put themselves out there and try the things you want them to try in the first place. So I think like figuring out how we have that conversation because people, people should feel comfortable in their body, regardless of the way their body looks, right? That doesn't mean they shouldn't also strive for greater health and fitness, that those two can coexist. And I see these conversations, like all of us have been on social media enough to see that, like, if somebody posts a picture of themselves where they're confident in a body that is not like traditionally fit or something, you will see some absolutely disgusting comments on it. And, and I think there's absolutely a world here. I think about sometimes like when people walk in the gym, they always notice whoever's like the most jacked or lifting the most weight. And, and that's cool. And that guy's awesome, but that guy isn't displaying any bravery by being in the gym. It is his, comfort zone they he knows exactly what it's like he's been there all the time there's nothing stressful about it but but the people who are in there and don't know how to use the machines or are looking really mm-hmm. awkward trying to mess with a barbell that person is scared and overcoming it that yes. person is exposing themselves to a new stress and i think that's pretty cool and like worthy of admiration yep. and spotlighting and mm-hmm. things like that in a way that doesn't happen a lot yes so alex that's that's a great comment because uh this happened to me a few times in my gym there was a lady there that I saw her with her kids and I never saw um, her without her kids, but they would be on the treadmill, the mom in the middle, the two boys on the corners. And um, I can see that she, she probably knew how important it was for health because she was the example for her boys. And over a course of three or four months, she was getting in better and better shape. And I noticed that the baggy sweatshirt went away 
and the baggy pants went away. And now she's wearing a tank top and her shorts and her boys are now they're not walking, they're jogging and now they're running. And so I spoke to a few of my friends and I said, how do we politely without any kind of, um, without trying to offend the lady, go tell her great job. And you, we can tell you're making a difference and you're sticking to it and you're dedicated. He says, we just go tell her. So I said, well, you tell her. And so we went and told her, um, we said, um, ma'am, no disrespect. We just want to tell you way to go. You, we've seen you here for the last few months and you're making a big difference. And she goes, like I said, she's swallowing and her eyes walled up. She goes, that's all I need to hear. So thank you so much. You don't know what that means to me. So from that point on, when we see this lady, she goes out of her way to go say hello to us because we made a big difference to her. And she knows she has support in the gym. Like there are a lot of folks in that gym. All you need to do is say, I see you. Keep going. Good luck. Um, let me know if I can help you or thanks because you being here motivates me. And they're like, I'm motivating you. I'm like, yeah, because it's easy not to come to the gym. But when I know you're going to be here, I want to be here, too. So kind words go a long way. And some you never know what someone's struggle is internally. So by saying kind words, I think that's uh, that's a great thing you can do. You know, so good comment there, Alex. This this kind of leads me to something I was going to say earlier, because you started to point out how like normal physical activities that kids do as they play outside translate really well to the military. And we've, we've started to touch in this conversation on how this is a, a multifaceted thing, right? Like one piece is we want kids to be physically active and healthy so that they can serve in the military. Another piece is we want people to feel comfortable in environments like the gym or group exercise or whatever it is, so they can take care of themselves. And, and sometimes I wonder if we get like too pigeonholed because like, weight loss is like the dominant conversation in the fitness world. There's a lot of overweight people. We want to help them mm -hmm. lose weight, but I think there's power in some of the narratives that are considered less. And the one, the one that's popped up so much for me is over the course of the last decade in particular, but even before that we've seen schools cutting physical activity, cutting recess, cutting physical education or gym class trying to get kids in the classroom more because the way schools are evaluated is the grades on standardized tests that those kids get. Mm -hmm. But, but that's so misguided given all the research we have that kids can't learn and can't focus effectively unless they have enough physical activity to like for proper development, to get the energy out of their system so that they can mm -hmm. calm down and, and sit still for a while. I just, I don't understand how, like we get myopically focused on either losing weight or building muscle and we miss out on some of these underlying, like the mental health component, the, the learning, the social component, whatever it is, there's so much more here. And I don't know if we do a great job talking about it. So, so much research has been shown. Um, like you and I have talked about the Naperville studies before. There are so many studies that talked about the importance of physical activity and mental health. And some even suggest that it might be just as effective and maybe in some cases, uh, the effects are quicker than taking drugs. Now, again, not a, I'm not a physician and those are some bold statements and I would have to see a lot more research to see those numbers and the stats, but that is a place to start. My friends who've been in the military for many years, like I was in for 26 years, many of them said once they start exercising, where particularly one guy, he said golf saved his life. He was on four or five medications and then he became a golfer. And he said that was the thing that changed it because now there's a community, there's exercise, there's people who understand what he's went through. And while he's moving, 
you know, it just made him feel better than taking drugs. So for some folks that might work, others, they might need, you know, the assistance of drugs, but there's a whole lot of things in the toolkit to try. And while one might not get the direct answer, the one answer you need, maybe trying a sampling of this and some of that and some of this and increasing your sleeping and being more, uh, having more or better nutrition, all those things can affect you in a positive manner, but you got to use all of them. It's not just one thing. I want to back up slightly maybe to the, to the questions about the council and mm-hmm. just give you the chance to talk about what are some things that you guys are working on right now? So what we're really working on is getting the word out there about the national youth sports strategy, that how important that it is that kids, no matter what their physical background, no matter where they stand, have an opportunity to play in the ball, ball fields or whatever it is. If it's a court, if it's swimming, if it's whatever they want to do, we want to provide the opportunity and often finances dictate who and who cannot play. Because when you're in one area, if you're, if you're uh, fortunate enough that your family has the resources to play especially uh, travel sports, then you you have those opportunities and you have these great um, uh, travel teams all around the nation. But how about if you can't, if your family is doing all they can just to survive and they don't have that excess money, that should not preclude you from playing sports and from being active and having the opportunity to relieve stress and develop new friendships and um, the lessons of dedication and discipline and integrity that you get from playing sports. So how do we change that, that more people have the opportunity? And how do we make people want to play sports? As you guys probably know that girls are dropping off quicker than ever before. Um, And by the time most kids are 13, they do give up sports, especially competitive sports. And maybe the thing is, kids, if you ask them, why do you play sports? Do you guys know what the number one reason is? Is it their parents? My, My parents made me. The number one reason why they play sports is to have fun. And the fun component, when you look at what coaches say, is almost down to like 40s, where it's rated. It's down it's so low toward the bottom. They want to come out there and laugh and and you know mess around with their friends and and, and um, enjoy the if it's outside or if it's on the court. But often the pressures of trying to win championships and win games, and then kids who don't you know if they don't perform, they don't play. And especially if you're paying for this, you know, you, you have parents who get so angry, you know, they're in the coach's ear because if you're paying five, $600,000 for a team sport and your child's not playing, that's, that's also a very deli- delicate issue and a tough thing to be in. So all these issues are kind of tough and it takes people with common sense, calmness, uh, communication, and um, I, I guess a bit of empathy to think, how do we get to the issues? Because what works in here in Leesburg, Virginia might not work in Houston. So they're all individual too. Each area is different. You just have to communicate with people and find out where can you meet them at a place of common sense that you can both get what you need out of the the activity that you're doing. For something like that, how do you guys measure success? Is it, I mean, you know, is it number of kids that have signed up? Like, how do you how do you track if that's actually improving? Well, some of it is from the letters you receive. Like I, I have um, received some letters that I share with this school. There was a school, um, actually it's here. It's uh, the Plato School in Plato, Missouri. So these were kids, kindergarten kids, that um, they decided to walk a mile a day. And they I don't know if the teacher had purposely thought they were going to do it every day, but they did it for 71 consecutive days. 
And so I found them through uh, uh, Instagram and I wrote them a note and I sent them some uh, president's council lapel pins and stickers and stuff. And um, I just want to say, I was just really proud of you guys that you stuck it out, uh, that you went that long being physically active. And so the teacher also shared how many other lessons came with this. So the kids who might've been a little bit um, shy in the beginning now knew that at this time they were going to be with their buddies, their team. They also were walking paths. So they were learning things about biology. They were looking at the green grass. They were experiencing the rain and the snow and all these other elements that came because they're outside walking became teaching moments for the teacher. And so she also said that from time to time, a kid would touch her or, or tap her and say, um, I'm not sure if so-and-so is feeling so good today because the children had understood how they naturally behave. So when somebody's off a little bit, they were smart enough and tuned enough to go talk to the teacher and say, so-and-so might not be having a good day today. And then she can go check up on them. So there were so many powerful, great lessons that this that the uh, first no kindergarten students learn by just walking a mile a day for 71 straight days. So measuring, that's a great measurement to me that they learned, they were inclusive, they were concerned about their fellow students, they got exercise in. And I would assume that these kids also went home and told their parents about this great experience and maybe their parents started exercising. So the way we change America is one person at a time. I don't think it's realistic to think that we're gonna make this big movement and we're gonna have a big shift at once. It's you sharing um, information with your friends who say, because Drew told me, I'll do this. It's Alex in using his platform and the things he's doing to inspire and to motivate people. And at the end, the cumulative effect is we all are making people more active, moving, and they become advocates of fitness. And that's how we'll change America. So you said that the like the first thing you said when you asked what are you what is the council focused on right now was the national youth sports strategy. Yes. Can you can you lay out a little bit like what is that? How do people get involved in that? Like are, are there initiatives within that? What does that look like? So it's basically again, what are you doing in your local community? So the president's council doesn't want to dictate what you can and sh what you can't do. So for example, if you go to health.gov and you click on the link for President's Council, then you'll click on another link and you'll say the National Youth Sports Strategy. You can find out what the, we have like over 200 partners right now. You can read and see what each partner, what each organization is doing. So if it's a running club, if it's a weightlifting club, uh, if it's a walking club, yoga, dancing, there are all these clubs inside that uh, grouping. So you can find out what you're doing. And if you don't see something that uh, familiar, you're familiar with, then you contact us and we will, um, uh, our staff will get back with you and tell you, you know, here are some options of what you can do, but it's basically movement in a safe, effective way. The, the, the full name here is the President's Council on Sports, Fitness and Nutrition, right? So yes. do you guys, I mean, here's here's me, you know, with with my day job, kind of working along those same lines in terms of having these, you know, we'll call them lines of effort. Is that how you guys operate? Or, you know, do you have a, a sports focus and a fitness focus and a nutrition focus, or is it more of a holistic approach? And it's just kind of, Hey, we're, we're addressing kind of the larger nationwide conversation around these things. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I think what you're, uh, there is not one answer for this. We're a work in progress because the council was really inactive because of COVID for about two years. And so now under the leadership of uh, Rear Admiral Paul Reed and uh, our acting executive director, Rachel Fisher and um, Dr. Katrina Piercy, we're, we're doing a lot of things, but we're probably trying to do catch up. So what we are trying to do is here are the issues that we're faced with. 
Um, how do we address them? And we just keep working at it. Um, I don't have the perfect answer for you because um, I just don't know, but I do know that we're tackling it. And if anything gets to this level of difficulty, one answer is not going to be it. Uh, I think the way that you you make progress is by addressing issues, uh, listening to the public, asking people for their suggestions, for their advice, uh, asking people in large groups, what are the problems you're facing? And maybe this is how we can help you or provide some resources to you. But I don't think that I will ever be able to provide you one answer to say um, we're doing this and that's going to always work. Because again, what works in Harlem doesn't work in in LA or may, may not, but we all want to take these um, cases individually and give everybody their attention that they need to figure out what's the best thing to help you mm -hmm. or them. Yeah. First off, I got to address the irony of you pointing out that the president's council was really inactive because of COVID because that speaks <laughs> to a, a broader trend in physical activity because yes. of COVID. And mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's a conversation there. And first I want to address before we go down any rabbit holes, I've, I've gotten plenty of messages from people talking about like, like, why isn't the government talking about physical activity and better nutrition and losing weight and respiratory health and aerobic, whatever they are, they, they absolutely are. If you go to HHS's website, if you go to the CDC's website, there are reams and reams of research. It just turns out going back to what we talked about with the amount of information available, right? Just saying common sense, true things does not get you any news coverage. Nobody gets excited. Nobody we gets need, angry. We need thirst traps in government documents. I think that's yeah, the we, way to, I, there's, there's no excitement. We need Alex, and, we need Alex and tights on the cover of there we go. the CDC's <laughs> website. But, but I wonder if we've got like enough distance at this point where it's a little bit less contentious. It's a little bit less conspiratorial or adversarial or whatever it is. If there's an opportunity now to have a serious conversation about COVID was obviously a respiratory illness, right? Mm -hmm. And there's enough data. It's conclusive. The more physically fit you are, especially aerobically and the better body composition you have, the less severe your outcomes are going to be with respiratory infections like COVID. And, and that seems like a conversation that should be important as we talk about how as a country, as a society, we make sure we're prepared for things like that in the future. Right. That's, and that's evidence-based. So what you're saying is based by science and factual. And I think that, um, you know, when you're on a council like this, there are so many things that come from you. You have to remember there's 320 something million people in our country. and Everybody's idea and suggestion has to be vetted. Like one of the great things I think about the council and especially under Admiral Reed and Rachel, everyone gets heard. You know, there is no, we're not going to listen to that. We're not going to address that. They look at everything. And so when you have, that's part of their job, though. They also um, represent HHS, and there's other things that occupy their time. And all of us who are on the council, we're volunteers, meaning we have other jobs and we have families. So everyone's probably doing the best they can with the time they have, but uh, the information, in uh, the incoming information doesn't stop. So sometimes as you're trying to get an answer, things can get backed up. Then you got to give it a, a full court press and trying to catch up again. But that's one of the reasons why I think coming on um, podcasts like this is helpful so that when people understanding understand that we're trying, that's the first thing we're trying. And if it was easy, we would not be in the issues and have the problems we're having. So what are you doing to help us? You know, are you moving? Are you exercising? Are you getting your medical checkups? Because we can't take care of every single problem for everybody, but hand in hand, we can probably do a lot more damage. There's strength in numbers. And I always think we're Americans, not Americans. 
So how do we figure this out? We'll get there somehow, but we just have to understand that it will take all of us. It will take this entire village, this entire nation to figure this problems from politicians to moms, from dads to grandpops and grandmoms and uncles and aunts and people like you helping, uh, helping um, provide evidence-based factual information that is not based on a supplement company or somebody trying to hawk their wares. And listen, they have a business to do and they have things that they need to do. But let's say, as you already shared with us, CDC, HHS, uh, I'm sure like um, ACE and uh, American College of Sports Medicine, Lifestyle Medicine websites, all these folks, they're probably providing great information, we, but maybe you have to do a little work and research on your own too. So you mentioned... And this is something Alex and I laugh about all the time, people hawking their wares, especially towards the military. But we'll talk about this from the, you know, the nationwide. Mm -hmm. It was either, it was either, I think this week or last week, Lunchables got implemented as a meal option in cafeterias. And it was, you know, it was touted as this healthy solution and blah, 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 blah. Do you guys, maybe this is a two-part or maybe it's not, but like, do you guys have any voice in the room when those decisions are being made because what you just said was beautiful this idea of politicians and everyone playing a role in this but we are constantly bombarded with situations like this where politicians are voting and saying yep let's put lunchables in school cafeterias when every dietitian <laughs> in the country arguably is saying that's not a good idea so i just i'm curious as to the to the commentary there because I agree with what you're saying. I think the answer is nuanced. It's complex. It takes everybody. But yet here's people who are legitimately and objectively saying, no, no, we're going to do this, even though we know it's not the right decision. Mm -hmm. So I personally do not know how far the councils. Uh, so maybe that's an Admiral Reed question. So maybe what we can do is try to connect you uh, and Alex with um, Rachel and Admiral Reed for those type of questions, because, you know, there are pay grades here. <laughs> I'm at the bottom of it. So I just want to make sure that I don't overstep and overspeak because I don't know. I'm sure. sure somebody in our government is looking at these things. But, you know, there is something uh, in the bodybuilding world I heard of the word better bad choices. So um, when you do a better bad choice, both of them might not be ideal, but this one is just a little bit better. So I don't really know so much about Lunchables in school right, schools right now. Mm -hmm. But what was the choice prior to Lunchables? So is this a step up? You know, um, I don't know. But I, I think let's, you know, let's talk with um, Admiral Reed and Rachel and maybe someone from the agriculture department that we can help uh, provide you a better answer than the mumble I just gave you. <laughs> no, no, that's, sure. I, I think it's incredibly valid. I think it, it kind of brings another question to mind, which is for you, it, kind of as you, as you rose through the ranks, so to speak, and, and you mentioned that you'd, you'd wanted to be on this council since you were, I think you said you were 12 yes. and, and you know, you went through, you were very successful in bodybuilding. You've kind of been around the, the fitness space for a long time. What was, what were some of the things you learned about just the scope of this this problem set of of sort of national fitness and health as you got to the the point where you're at now and your perspective and your optic has broadened so much so my per, my perspective is everybody's situation is different um you know i went somewhere for a um uh, we were sent to go talk to a school and i brought my where i live my answers to their problems 
from my perspective. They don't have the same issues and problems, or I don't have the same issues and problems they have. Like where I was telling them to go outside and jog, they were telling me that, you know, that might not be a safe thing to do because somebody might take their sneakers. Where I was saying, well, if you can't go outside, could you go up and down the stairs? Mm-mm, because they'll turn out the lights and something can happen to me when I turn up, when those lights go out. So there are people who don't exercise because it is a serious safety concern. And, um, you know, just this week, I think there was 70 cities that got together through the World Health Organization to talk about healthy streets, meaning sidewalks and taking care of potholes and making sure that people have access to parks. That's a very, very important component because most people or many people don't have access to gyms. So what do we do and how do we help those who don't have access? Because uh, years ago, I think it was Dr. Ken Cooper, um, of course, an Air Force guy, uh, father of aerobics, mm-hmm. that um, he was uh, in consideration to be Surgeon General. And I think one of his um, ideas or initiatives was to provide everybody, um, all American citizens, certain amount of money to go to a fitness center to join a gym and it didn't take and i think his his analogy was it can cost three four hundred dollars a year to go to a fitness center or a gym but it might cost us 25 to fifty thousand for people who have medical conditions up to heart attacks so wouldn't it be better to be preventive as opposed to reactionary and i i think maybe that's one of the issues or one of the um ideas that we can think about more how do we start being more preventive instead of reactionary and we start thinking about lifespan and health span. You know, there are two different things. Your lifespan can be 67, but your health span can be 55, meaning you have 12 years of being sick, maybe sitting in a chair, looking out of the window and wishing that you would have taken better care of yourself. That's a Mickey Mantle uh, quote. Uh, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. And so we are also trying to share that in the veteran community that do you want to walk your granddaughter down the aisle? Do you want to ride your motorcycle an additional two, three, four years? Um, do you want to go to these reunions and possibly, you know, get up and dance and do these things? And when we when we put it to them that way, that seems to find they find that that magic moment where they said, I do want to exercise a little bit more. I I don't have to do what I used to do, but if I start walking a few more steps, if I park my car. Uh, a few steps away from the door, like I used to just take that veteran space in the front. Now I go to the back. If I go up and down my my stairs in my house a few times, whatever it is to get me burning more calories daily, times a week, times a month, times a year, can get you to lose some significant weight. So um, trying to find them where they're at is important. And again, as uh, maybe Alex said, not body shaming, not fitness shaming, just saying you are where you are. How can we get you better? And guess what? You got a community behind you that says, hurrah, let's go. Aim high, as we say in the Air Force. So you got me thinking a little bit and Drew addressed like rising through the ranks and interacting with senior leaders, which is something you do all the time lately. Have you, uh-huh. like, who have you run into? Who's out there? Are are there, and I'm specifically thinking about elected leaders, honestly, because we're talking about national policy type of stuff. We're talking about right. national messages kind of stuff. Have you found anyone in that space who really is ready to like embrace this physical activity cause champion it, like help drive the narrative in the policymaking in the national leadership kind of community? Well, let's say leadership for the military first, because that's really my focus being a military veteran myself and family. Um, General Hokinson has done a phenomenal job. Like we were together on veterans day and we were talking about physical fitness. And he told me he was jogging in New York and all these things he was doing 
and we talked about the National Guard and his concern for you know trying to make them healthier and more fit. And we were just tossing around ideas and we thought about challenges and you know um, doing these type of things. And then the next thing I know, I'm speaking to his exec and I'm speaking to all these guys and women in the guard about physical fitness and nutrition and sleep. And I'm bringing in my buddy, our buddy, Dan Bornstein, and he's helping. And so this community starts growing. And now, you know, last night I have dinner with a, men, a, a, a number of National Guards who are working on H2F programs. And um, they're so excited and so inspired. But General Holdenson, he started this because he said it's important for him, meaning it's important for the Guard. And I know that the Air Force and the Army, the, the uh, Space Force, you know, they're starting to look at wearables, uh, devices to track their measurements of uh, physical activity. So I would assume every military commander Fitness is a key component to the success of our national readiness, security of our nation, meaning that's an important item to the military commanders as well. So elected leaders, I talked to Don Bacon a number of times, and I, I was with him last week, and he is looking to help us in any way, help us, meaning help the nation become more fit. And does that need legislation? Um, I know there's just people to go up there to go see him soon. Um but I also bet there are other members of Congress. I mean, I only know what I know, but I would assume there's a lot of members being contacted by a lot of fitness, health, nutritional organizations trying to do the right thing. Um, but my feeling, again, is the more we can come together and address, maybe let's try to do these top three things. Let's accomplish something. Let's get these things done. Then we go to another list of top priorities because when we're all in there individually, it's like tag your turn, tag my turn. I'm not sure how much we're getting done. And the, and it's so crucial right now. Things are so bad that we got to get positive traction, making better things happen for the health of our nation and our young folks and our, and our seniors as well. So you mentioned, you know, kind of three things. And I know this is maybe a softball question, but if you, who knows, maybe the president does come to you and say these things, but if, if he walked into your door and said, Hey, I'm going to go take a break for two days just take your top three things for health, fitness, and nutrition and do it. And it's going to happen. What would those three be? So Drew, uh, maybe you are, maybe you were trying to be funny, but this really happened. I assumed it probably did. <laughs> so on the 4th of July, I got a chance to go to the white house. The president comes by and he's talking to the crowd. And then, you know, I, I exchanged my pleasantries with him. And then toward the end with my family there and Bonnie Carroll from TAPS and Linda Davis, who worked in the VA, like people that are very real, real respected in our community, he puts his hands on my shoulder and says, I'm counting on you to help our nation get, in, get fit or get in shape. And I'm thinking, whoa, <laughs> the president, the commander in chief gave me an order. So that's when I really tuned up, you know, like when I started reaching out to Alex and trying to get <clears throat> the H2F program and started reaching out to dozens of organizations and sharing that same comment with the folks at the president's council who were so supportive of me and thought it was great that I had a chance to speak to the president about that. So if I had my dreams, it would get more people moving. I would make probably making um, physical fitness mandatory in school because there is enough research to show that those kids who exercise, it does so much for their social skills. It does so much for their self-confidence. It does so much for their grades. Athletes and people who exercise do better in school. There's, um, I think our name is Dr. Suzuki, who talks about the getting the brain active and by moving and doing all these other things. And um, there's another great leader, uh, uh, Major General Sharon, Sharon Bannister. We went to her office last uh, about two weeks ago 
before the first word was spoken, we had a minute of planks. She started our meeting with planks. <laughs> and so she's just an awesome person who understands the importance of lifestyle medicine. There's a Dr. Reagan Stegman who has all this great information and she can talk to you like a regular person. Then she can break it down with the scientific data. There's Andrea Lindsay with the nutrition part. So we bring all these folks into the umbrella and guess what? All of them want to be there. Nobody's saying, I don't want to do this. So, you know, I, I think another thing on my dream list would be to have another summit with all these folks coming and sharing and talking information. And third, I would want to bring kids and youth in. Tell us what we can do to make it better because maybe you've been told what you should do. Maybe we should be asking the question, what do you want to do? And with kids reasoning and logical reasoning from adults and people who are experts in this field, we can come to this compromise to where it makes sense. Like this is what we should do 150 minutes. But if you want to do this, that works too. And if you want to do this, that works, but maybe they need a part of the solution. You know, kids and their active role in their involvement is paramount to probably the success of us moving forward. In my opinion. So you got me thinking about, so like, first off, you said having another summit, and that's something I, I keyed in on when I looked at like the history of the council is that that was a, a regular thing early mm -hmm. in the history of the council was these massive summits on like a national scale, mm -hmm. highlighting all these efforts. And that hasn't happened in a long time. So that, mm -hmm. that combined with the fact that a lot of the names you just named are, are military affiliated. And I think it's not hard to convince the military that fitness matters. The military kind of gets it. What mm -hmm. I want to try and do is bridge that to convince the rest of our society that it matters regardless of whether you're going to serve in the military. It matters for so many reasons that you've described that we already know. Mm -hmm. So so one that came to mind, and I'm going to kind of snarkily point to like there was like during COVID, there was that video of like all the celebrities singing Imagine together. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was kind of cheesy and a little cringy and stuff like that. There's always celebrities singing mashups. There's, there is, but like the... If we look to like old school, some of the JFK era stuff, some of the Eisenhower era stuff, public service announcements were a big deal. And I know like canned, very official federal looking public service announcements aren't the most popular thing, but like we've got, we've got a organization with nearly a trillion dollar budget. That's really concerned about the fitness of our youth. How do we not have like a, a youth fitness public service announcement where we're bringing together like like known faces and names and like having this conversation in a way that like resonates with popular culture, not just in the military channels where we already get mm -hmm. it, but like getting something out there. And like that, that feels like a role that like HHS and the president's council could be involved in. I would, yes. I would love to see something where people with serious national and global influence are having a public conversation about. We're how on it, is. Alex, we're on it. Um, I, I can't release the name of the folks and organizations yet because it's all preliminary talks, but uh, we went to uh, meet somebody in the entertainment business not long ago, and um, they were so proud to tell me that they had earned a presidential fitness badge as a youth. And I thought that's the breaking of the walls where these silos come down, because if I can identify with something that you're passionate about and I'm passionate about, maybe we can come to a, a workable solution and workable partnership. So um, Rachel and Admiral Reed and myself, we're working on it. The organization, they're trying to, you know, find the right times because this is a, this takes time. You know, we have to find out what we can do, how we can do it, how soon we can do it, how effective. And by the way, there are folks looking for holes in everything we're doing too. It's like, gosh, give us a shot. You know, just give us a chance. We, we don't have the perfect answer. And we're telling you that, but maybe 
for all the um all the folks who have so many bright ideas share them with us because if you're right we'll be happy to use it but if you're just poking holes at us just because you can that's not helpful you know come up with some workable solutions and helpful advice and boy you'll make our job easier and i'll send you a coin i'll be happy to <laughs> well you already know this but but anything you need from mops to most we're happy to help so yeah. but i gotta ask a question all day all right I, leg tuck addition stickers next time you're having a meeting with a general skip the planks do leg tucks it'll be awesome no man next time but, the president puts his hands on your traps Put a Mops and Moe sticker just right on his suit. I think that would really speak. <laughs> that would speak volumes. Well, to you, where know, the we're president, at. you know, he exercises many days of the week and the first lady does. And we're actually, you know, trying to get more involvement there. But, you know, the world, the world, the weight of the world is on their shoulders. And, you know, there's only but so many asks you can do. So that's why he, he has councils like us for us to do things on their behalf, to act on their behalf, to provide them information that's timely evidence-based and that's why i've just appointed the two of you fitness advocates to help me with all this Woo! because you're such smart guys um passionate guys and uh i would also think like we can also debate this like passion is fine we don't have to agree because there isn't one way to get the fitness but i think sometimes there's so many folks they're afraid of disagreement that they don't get these conversations that are needed and they don't get to a solution so if there's something we don't agree with, let's let's iron it out. Let's talk with vigor and and push and push and push because we both want the same thing, and that's our nation to be healthy. I'll embrace debate with you on this one. And I, I we've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but for the sake of conversation, mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying and I, I appreciate what you're saying. However, as we mentioned early on, you know, we talked about JFK, like Every, literally every metric we would use to measure is getting worse. So where do mm -hmm. you where do you see whether it's the council or or somebody else kind of up there in that stratosphere? Like why why not? Like what my question is like why are we not doing anything about it? Why are we just paying it lip service? Why are we just mm -hmm. putting faces in front of things and saying hey go and run? Like I, I get that some of that works. I remember you know commercials with Michael Jordan and Mia Hamm and being in school and running the mile and doing all that kind of stuff. But like, I just feel like the, the momentum of the, of the downhill trajectory is miles ahead of the momentum of any kind of uphill change that we would be looking to make. And so I, I don't know, maybe it's a, a friendly debate more than anything else, but I'd just be curious in your thoughts on that. So my thoughts are because I'm, I'm, I'm connected to many organizations. I know firsthand there are positive things happen. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. connected with many gym teachers and shout out to physical education teachers. Oh, big time. I did not know until recently the important role that you guys and women play in preparing our military, um, uh, our youth who are going to serve and go to basic training, preparing them for basic training. So I was talking to some phys ed teachers recently and he goes, Oh, we've, I've been personally doing that since the eighties. And then he knows of other phys ed teachers who've been doing this since, you know, their entire career. And I didn't realize it until post COVID that we're thinking, why are uh, kids maybe having even a harder time than they did in the past? Well, before they had these amazing phys ed teachers who were preparing them quietly with dignity and honor to say, come after school, come before school, come at lunchtime, but they got them ready for basic training. So I thought, shout out to those phys ed teachers who have been serving our country in that way, in that capacity. So 
Um, also, various organizations. There are so many organizations that I'm affiliated with who show me kids who started physical education and the rising of the report cards, less trouble in school, better behavior at home, more ambition, and more, um, I think, maybe self-worth, self-confidence, all these great things. As many of you know, uh, Christy Ingram did this report that says 94% of women on the C-suite have a sports background. Christy is a great friend of mine, and I'm always sharing with Christy, like, we need to blow her up and to make her more, uh, get her out here. Now she's in Australia, unfortunately, but to have her talk about the importance of fitness and, and, and sports and what it does to what a, a young girl, especially since so many of them are quitting sports and giving up, you know, don't want to exercise. So the more good stories that we can share, the better off we'll be. And I would think for clicks, good stories don't sell as well, as bad, or as much as a negative. So believe me, many organizations around our nation are doing great things. Schools are doing great things. Parents, coaches, all these coaches, I would say most coaches are not paid. So for all of them, for doing all they're doing to get, you know, their athletes ready for competition, thanks to them as well, because many great things are happening in our country. I don't want to sidestep it and say like, we, we don't have a problem. We have a huge problem. But I also know that people are trying. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm more than happy to lose this debate, but I, I do have kind of a follow-on for you. Yeah, I crushed you. You didn't yeah, lose no, it, I crushed dominated you. dominated me. <laughs> but as, as a follow-on, <laughs> like what, from where, and this maybe this goes back to the other question about where you sit now, but like, what do you perceive as kind of the biggest threat and or challenge to normalizing a lot of these things? Because like you mentioned, we've seen grades go up on report cards because of physical health. We've mm -hmm. seen social interactions improve because of every metric you could think of would improve because of injecting this type mm -hmm. of thing into, in this example, the school system. So from where you sit, what is kind of the biggest challenge or hurdle that you think we need to get over? Maybe what you guys have said earlier, messaging. Maybe we need to have more PSAs. Like if when I was doing research on the president's council, when I looked back to the 60s, there were lots of commercials on YouTube that were cut in the 60s. And it talked about this national like um, youth sports, like superstars. And they came somewhere and they had this commercial cut. Like it was like they were almost like Olympian type athletes. Or there was, there was ads in magazines and it basically said, you know, they would show someone who looks out of shape and they would talk about the president's council. So, you know, I think maybe we need to help um, help promote physical activity more, uh, get get behind the messaging, uh, do more advertisement, do more marketing. Um, just let people know that move your way, whatever. Here's, a, here's another example. We're working with museums now. So there's a move your way campaign, meaning basically do what you think is comfortable. So I'm asking um, museums. I have like three that I'm uh, really trying to make this template work with to help us bring their, their, um, their visitors in. And, you know, while you're strolling in a museum, it does give you movement. It brings on good, it makes you feel good. You're learning, there's education, there's community, all these good things that go to good health, wellness are part of Move Your Way. So if we can make this happen in more museums than, um, than the three that I'm working with right now, I think that would be a good campaign because it's just something. It's another, it's another um, push to make people physically active and whatever we can do to make that happen. That's what we're going to do. So um, for all those folks who are willing and, and helping already, thank you so much for your support for all those who have questions and um, have ideas. Uh, maybe go to health.gov and you let us know good ideas 
are uh, useful to us and we will you know, examine them. But um, I just want everyone to know that we are trying. We don't have all the answers, but we're trying. So we had some real open-ended questions for the last few. Uh -huh. I'm going to ask a much more direct question. And I don't know if you know <laughs> sure. the answer. This is this is a, a tough one. It's a it gets into policy and things. But uh -huh. you mentioned that your your unnamed public figure was very proud of their performance on the presidential fitness challenge yes. when they were young. Yes. Is the presidential fitness challenge ever coming back? <laughs> Rachel Fisher is working on it with diligence right now. Her and Katrina Piercy, yes. they are working on it, but there's been some things tied up with, you know, again, with legal issues and mm -hmm. other organizations. So I would say we have said that is one of the priorities. Uh, Admiral Reed is also on this because um, I've shared with them, you know, that since I often wear something that has a sports council logo on it, people come up to me in the streets and they'll say, they'll share their stories about how much that council meant to them when they were younger. And often as I said to, um, to Rachel, I wish the council members were with me when I see these, you know, sometimes men or women with tears in their eyes saying how much that badge meant to them and their, and their mom or their dad, or they still have it. And like me, I still have mine. I have my certificates. I have all that stuff because I thought one day I'm going to be on this council. One day I'm going to be on here. And one day I'm going to be giving these patches and these coins and these stickers. And I'm one day I'm going to talk to Drew and Alex about this amazing <laughs> council we have and how we're going to keep fine tuning it to make it, you know, just like America, that shining light on the hill. You know, we just keep working at it. That's all. It's it's an interesting conversation. Not to go down the rabbit hole because we got to close up here pretty soon. But there, I, I did do a deep dive on the presidential fitness challenge and there were some criticisms of it, right? It was not sure. the original iteration was not necessarily based on the greatest evidence. There's lots of debate. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and perhaps most notably, your performance on the presidential fitness challenge, nobody ever gave you guidance based on it. It was just you take it and now it's kind of up to you to figure out whatever. Mm -hmm. I think a, a really cool future for it could be that like, maybe there's an app, maybe there's a website, who knows where you like you plug in how you did. Mm -hmm. And it tells you what your strengths and weaknesses are and what you can work on and types of exercise you can do to get better at the things you struggle with. Who knows? But I, I, Everybody still talks about the presidential fitness challenge, even though it hasn't mm -hmm. been around for a while. It is clearly something culturally meaningful, and it would be really cool to see it come. Yes. Back. So I often say that Rachel, um, I don't read, and Katrina, they're the brains, and I'm the mega mouthpiece where I just try to get the attention because what you just suggested and said, they're working on all those issues. But you also got to remember we represent the commander in chief, the president of the United States, and everything we do has to be dot it with the I and cross with the T and it goes through lots of um, eyes to make sure that we're not making any mistakes, especially sloppy mistakes. You know, sometimes mistakes happen and you've tried your best to avoid them, but we got to make sure that we're doing everything the right way because we don't want to make situations worse. We're here to make them better. So I, I suggest that we're doing all we can. We're working hard to make these things happen. I think as we get more partners and more people under this umbrella, that they'll be helpful to us. And um, we are making inroads. We just keep trying every day to keep pushing forward, to keep making it happen. Because as I said, we're Americans, not Americans. We'll make it happen just like everything else. It's work. You know, if it was easy, we wouldn't have these issues. We, we probably wouldn't even be on this podcast if it was so easy. So um, we'll just keep working at it. Awesome. I mean, I can also imagine that just the sociocultural differences between 
now and back then you'd think about implementing i mean you can think about how the armies responded to implementing a new pt well, test first of all all the research that's been done now now like research and exercise exercise is a prescription now you know there mm -hmm. are doctors who prescribe exercise you know these studies through humana um you know there's a doctor i think Stubbs in england and he does all these amazing things and Actually, uh, I'm not sure if I shared it or told you before, but there's some research now from Dr. Stubbs and ASICs that says if you're a gamer and you exercise and you're physically fit, you will become a better gamer. So there is a, um, I'll send you guys the uh, research on it and the webs. There's a video or uh, yeah on Netflix or Amazon or Prime, I forgot which one, about these three or four people who were gamers and exercised for 12 weeks. And all of them were already elite class. They all moved up dramatically, up to 50% in some different categories. And what they did, the only difference was they exercised. What exercise did for them while they were gaming, they were quicker on their response. Their anxiety decreased. The way they felt while they're sitting there, they felt better. They moved better. They thought more clearly. And all these things are things that we already know that exercise does. So how do we maybe combine ourselves with this massive machine the gaming community to, to show them that listen if you want your gamers to be better or, or if you are a gamer and you want to be a better gamer be physically active and move more that will improve your scores your skills your ranking and everything else so there's some potential and some great hope there as well that's that better bad choice you were talking about if people are going to game anyway well we can at least make them better gamers hey don't sleep exercise. on gamers man those guys are making millions of dollars i've seen those documentaries on those competitive uh Mm -hmm. gamers crushing it um right well rob we don't want to take up a ton of your time but to close things out and this can be you know for yourself or for the council like what is the best way for people to learn more where can they go where can they like you mentioned offer up ideas where can they find out more about the stuff that you guys are doing yeah well thanks for the opportunity uh health.gov um, that's where you can find a lot of our great information. You can also go to the cdc.gov. They also have tons of great information. Listen to your podcast because you guys dispel great information and, and, and you have amazing guests on who are, who are doing their best to make, I guess, America fit again, you know, or fitter. Just use many different sources and many resources because they all will like, while many of them are similar, one of them might spark something in you to get you to change your habits and to, improve your habits and to become better and more fit, more effective, more efficient, and become an advocate of fitness and health and bring family members with you. The better your family, the more fit your family is, I think the better they'll enjoy their life. Uh, you know, health insurance companies, they want more fit people because your premiums go down, you're more effective at work, um, you're just more effective in life and you're more present in life. You know, you're able to go to your, your children's games and your concerts and because you're not tired. You don't want to come home and just plop down. You want to be engaged in the life of vigor. Awesome. Well, you've obviously got a massive platform. You're doing a ton of work. So thank you. We appreciate your efforts. And, and thanks for coming on to talk to us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks as always, Rob. Hey, Alex, let's cover our ass real quick. Oh, great idea, Drew. All right, guys. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Before you go, please rate and review the pod on the listening platform of your choice. You can also visit us on our website at www.mopsinmos.com. That's mops, the letter in, mos.com. You can check out the library of podcast episodes, 
our latest blog entries, any helpful resources, and also sign up for our newsletter. Drew nailed it. Just to underline a couple of things, the podcast entries have in-depth show notes on the website. So if you missed anything or you want to read any of the research we talk about, it is all there. You can, at the bottom of the website, sign up with your email and receive future updates from us. The blog posts go a little bit more in-depth in kind of written form on a couple of topics we get questions about all the time. But most importantly, I just want to ask all you guys, our best way the word gets out is absolutely word of mouth. So tell your friends, tell the people you work with, anybody you think would find it useful. Thanks for spreading the word. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to shoot us an email at either Drew or Alex at mopsandmos.com. Or there's a contact form on the website. Thank you.